I'm Jessica Randolph, and welcome to the How to Buy a House podcast, where we empower you to invest in real estate and start building wealth for yourself. It's the biggest purchase of your life, and we're going to teach you how to do it right. Red leather, yellow leather, red, yellow, and blah, blah. That's usually how I warm up for our podcast. Hi, guys. <laughs> I'm in a really silly mood today. I don't know if it's because it's finally fall outside, and I am so happy about it. There's like a crisp breeze, and all I want is some apple cider and a pumpkin just around me at all times. Um, hope you are doing well. We have had a crazy few weeks for us, and so I'm so excited to finally get this episode out to you guys. But we've got Kristen Skeeby with us today, and Kristen is the real estate queen of Atlanta. She doesn't know I'm saying that, but it's totally the truth. Kristen is the team leader of Colony Group, which is a collective group of some of the top realtors in Atlanta, and her team ranks in the top top 10% of Atlanta's market. Fun fact, Kristen was also previously a school teacher before she got into real estate, and she's now our How to Buy a House class teacher of Atlanta. So it's very full circle, and it makes me happy that she gets to use both of her skill sets for class. So do yourself a favor if you're in Atlanta or know anybody in Atlanta. Sign up for her upcoming class if you are ready to do that. But without further ado, I'm so excited for today's episode, so let's get into it. Kristen, thank you so much for joining us today. I'm so excited to have you. And I can't wait for our listeners to get to know you. But before we get into today's topic, I want to get into kind of Atlanta's market and a little bit about you and what real estate has been for you these last few years. Yeah. So I got into real estate when I was actually a teacher. I was a full-time teacher, got into real estate to make some extra money and had two careers kind of taking off. And I realized with real estate that I can still teach and educate people. It's just on a different topic. And it's just, you know, instead of a big kid, I'm uh, educating adults now. So it's really fun to still be able to use my skill set, but in like a different career path. So that's kind of what launched me in. And I love numbers too. So that's what kind of launched me in to real estate. When I started real estate, I would drive all over the world of Atlanta. Like I would go anywhere and get a deal. And so I feel like as hard as it was, it was the best launch into my career because I got to know all the different areas and all the different identities of the different areas and why someone might want to live in like a suburb versus city versus Alpharetta versus, you know, Sandy Springs, like all these different areas. So that's kind of what I love about Atlanta. Let's talk about Atlanta for a second. Even if you're listening to this episode today and you're not in Atlanta, I think we can learn a lot from what Kristen's going through in Atlanta and understanding the city dynamics because today's topic, we are going to dive into the pros and cons of living in the city versus living in the suburbs and why it's a great idea to invest in both and kind of talk about the differences. But Kristen, tell us like Atlanta, I mean, give us an overview of what is it like living there and buying real estate there. And obviously you guys are growing because you you know, have hardly any inventory. People are snatching things up the second they get listed and you've got multiple offers. Like what is the draw? Why are so many people buying in Atlanta right now? The reason Atlanta has had such a huge like population influx in the past few years is compared to some of the other like humongous cities throughout America, like compared to like the LA's, the Chicago's, New York's, our like cost of living is still very, very affordable. So we're seeing a lot of companies like relocate people here because they can pay their employees less to live here versus if they live in San Diego or San Francisco, something like that. So we're seeing, and then you still in Atlanta, you 
I'm going to give a little Atlanta plug too. You still get like the seasons, but you don't get the extreme winter. There's lots of different, like, it's not so Southern what you would think of anymore because we do have so many transplants. So there's like a lot of diversity, a lot of different people. If you went to college up North, there's going to be alumni association down here that you can connect with. Like there's just a lot of different people in Atlanta now. And so I think that's a huge motivation for people. And it's also a big city, but you have these towns, like there's a town called Roswell that has like a really small town feel. But then, like, you're in a 30-minute 30, 30 drive and you're in the city. So, you know, there's, like, you can have kind of both styles of living if you choose as well. And I feel like every city's got those little pockets where it's like, okay, these are little micro markets in itself. And so that's why I want to dive into, you know, the pros and cons of living in the city versus living in the suburbs. And I grew up in the suburbs, but I always wanted to live in the city. And moving to Nashville, it was kind of a blend. I felt like Nashville was a small town that kind of turned into a city and we don't have very good infrastructure for that reason. We don't have train systems. Our bus system is horrible. I mean, it's just not great for how big we've grown, but Atlanta is different. Atlanta actually is set up so well, in my opinion, at least from the times that I've been there and there's so much great public transit. And so let's go ahead and get into our topic, which is the pros and cons of living in the city versus living in the suburbs. And I think because I live in the city. Kristen, do you live in the city or are you in the suburbs? So I'm going to do a little Atlanta vocabulary. So for anyone else listening, hang with me. Okay. So there is a highway called 285. It's like a circle that like, you know, city of Atlanta's right in the middle. And there's this circular highway that goes around it. And everyone calls that the perimeter. So inside the perimeter, they say ITP. Inside the perimeter is considered like the city and then OTP outside the perimeter. A lot of people consider the suburbs. I tell people like I live like right at the top of the perimeter. Like I'm like on the perimeter. So I kind of have the best of both worlds for real estate. It's great. Cause I can get anywhere, but I'm actually kind of a mix of city and suburb living. I love that. You're like an alligator in Florida that can swim in saltwater and freshwater. You like, you can dip into both ponds. I love it. Y'all, can I get a drum roll, please? (laughs) If you've been enjoying our podcast, you know that we are very passionate about providing accessible home buying education for everybody, no matter where they're at in the process. And now guess what? You can do it straight from your phone. Download the how to buy a house mobile app today. Our app is designed to hold your hand through the process from start to finish and is jam-packed with expert-level home buying education and tips and tricks from the best in the business. We are so pumped about it, obviously, and we think that you will get a lot out of it. So download it today. It's in the App Store, and we would love to hear how you enjoy it. Happy home buying. Well, let's talk about the city first. And I think for a lot of people listening, we've got a lot of young professionals that listen to this podcast. We've got a lot of people who have never bought a house before that maybe commute and live in the city and, you know, ride their bike or take the bus. And I think living downtown and living super central has a ton of perks. But in terms of real estate, putting like our real estate sunglasses on of thinking everything in terms of an investment and how to create wealth for yourself through real estate, which is why we started this podcast. What are the benefits of living in the city and buying real estate in the city? So let's talk about that first. What are your thoughts, Kristen, about buying ITP or in the perimeter? (laughs) Yeah, it's really the convenience factor. You being able to walk out out your door and 
touch five different restaurants and uh, tons of different shopping and being able to use decent public transportation, being able to get anywhere relatively quickly. So that's probably one of the big perks. And also, we are seeing a lot of first-time homeowners go to condominium living because it is kind of the first step into home ownership without all the maintenance. So you get the perk of feeling like you own something. You get the convenience and the walkability of a lifestyle of wanting to go to restaurants, wanting to shop without the weekend maintenance of, I have to do my lawn. I have to, oh, that shingle fell off. I have to call this repair man. You kind of get the best of both worlds. Although I will say Atlanta has a decent amount of, you know, single family homes inside the perimeter. It's just expensive. Um, the single family homes inside the perimeter, to perimeter are pretty expensive. So basically if I'm a first time home buyer and I want to be in the city, I need to, I need to get rid of the dream of thinking that I'm going to actually be in a house and be open to a townhouse or condo. Is that kind of what I'm hearing? Depending on budget, absolutely. A lot of the budgets for first-time homebuyers, you're going to go condo or townhome. Unless you want to get into an area inside the city that's like up and coming, and you're willing to kind of deal with some transitioning markets there, that's an opportunity. But that depends on the buyer. Hmm. And do you feel like there are certain neighborhoods right now in Atlanta that are a better investment than others. And I know this is like an Atlanta specific question, but for Nashville, I would say there are certain little pockets where I'm like, if you are able to buy, you should 1000% buy in the nations right now, because that whole area is about to explode. Once they put in, you know, the new arena that's going in or one city development goes in, that whole area is just going to keep growing. Like, is there an area like that, that you kind of have your eyes on because you know, it's going to just keep growing like crazy? So I've had my eyes on West Midtown a lot. Um, it's obviously the west, the west side of the city. It has developed quite a bit in the past few years because we're seeing a lot of tech go, come there. Um, Microsoft has bought several, several acres over there. Google just brought um, an office building close to there. So there's the ability for you to get in there a little bit more on the affordable range and kind of ride that appreciation as businesses continue to relocate people there. So that's a hot spot. And we're also, there are some developments coming in the College Park area south of the city where our airport is. And that would be a great, great investment opportunity. That's like on the down low of some opportunity there for people if they want to buy and build some equity. I love it. That's awesome. I feel like that's some really good insider information. (laughs) Yeah. Don't tell everyone. Yeah. Which is why I love having local experts on our podcast because we really do get like really great insider information. So I appreciate that. What other things are you seeing? Like, ITP in the perimeter, like downtown living from a first time home buyer price point, I would say like, what would be an entry level price point right now? If, if I were someone that wanted to live downtown Atlanta and be in the city, a lot of our entry level home buyer price points are between three to 400,000. And that's typically going to get you probably a one bedroom, maybe two bedroom condo, really popular areas. Midtown and Buckhead are kind of the staples there are some really, really cute communities on the east side that first-time home buyers are looking at. They're called Kirkwood or Edgewood. That's near Pond City Market. A lot of people know where that is. I think, Jessica, you, you know where Pond City Market is. Yes. But those those entry-level homes are pushing like above 600000 So that just depends, again, kind of on budget. But we're seeing a lot of the first-time home buyers looking at condos, the 300 range, and then, you know, a few years hoping that those price points push into like the high 300s, 400s. And then they can take that, use it on something else. 
That's awesome. Yeah, I feel like that is still, to me, I think that is still just, if you're just listening to this, I feel like is still relatively affordable. I think, I, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I would never be able to afford that. But if you get pre-approved, you would be surprised that, you know, with inflation and I would say you're going to be pleasantly surprised if you just go ahead and start the process of getting pre-approved um, and you might be able to afford more than you think you can. Obviously, interest rates greatly dictate what your payment's going to be. But to be able to buy in central, like downtown Atlanta, I feel like that is still relatively affordable compared to where I'm from. I'm from Chicago. And I feel like it was that price point 10 years ago. So yeah, I feel like that's that's great. Maneuvering around the HOA costs are sometimes a challenge. That is why you need like a good agent that knows what they're doing to be able to communicate that. But I'll have clients who, to rent an apartment in Atlanta, they're paying $2,500, $3,100 for a two-bedroom. And I'm like, you can own a, your own condo for that much. Like, what are you doing? So yeah, really shifting that mindset. I, I think people don't understand that it can be more affordable than you think. Yeah. Okay. So let's jump into owning a home in the suburbs versus, you know, owning a condo downtown. Let's say that's what you end up buying. What are the benefits of then not living in the city and moving out of the suburbs? Cause I know you obviously help a lot of people do that. You probably have a ton of people that move out of the city and into the suburbs. What are you seeing from a real estate lens with that decision? A lot of the times people want to move out to the city. They want a little bit more space, a little bit of breathing room. Also schools play a really large factor with that in Atlanta. If you're inside the perimeter, a lot of people, not everyone, send their kids to private schools. So when you push out to the suburbs, you have the ability for a lot of people to send their kids to public. So it's kind of a cost analysis of, do I want to send my kid private. What are the public school ratings? ITP. OTP has just phenomenal schools. So they push out to be able to send their kid to public schools a lot of the time, or they just want a little more space. They want the yard. They want the neighborhood with the amenities and the cul-de-sac. And, you know, they want a little bit, I don't want to say necessarily more bang for your buck because it's, it's not a ton cheaper, but maybe they want a home with a basement, you know, maybe they want a little bit more for their money. Right. Looking at, you know, moving into the suburbs or living downtown. I mean, really the, the draw is that you are getting either more land or more square footage, but then you also have to consider that that does mean more driving. If you are someone that likes to go downtown for dinner or for a show or whatever, it's a different lifestyle when you're not as close and you can't just like walk down to the grocery store for some eggs because you're making a cake, right? Like it's just a different lifestyle. And it's amazing how much, you know, as we grow and as we age, kids just dictate so much of our life. And for me, I'm on my third kid and it's amazing. Like I love living in the city so much, but I get the appeal now of having a neighborhood pool or a park and a playground, you know, down the sidewalk of my house. I mean, um, I've lived in an area now in Nashville with no sidewalks for many years and never realized it was an issue until I had children on bikes and didn't want them to get hit by a car. And so I see the draw for a lot of people that end up leaving the city and into the suburbs. But in terms of, you know, thinking of your house as an investment and making money, I'm always thinking like, what's the opportunity for appreciation? And let's talk a little bit about, is it a smarter investment to buy in the city or is it a smarter investment to buy in the suburbs? Because obviously we know like the material benefit of owning a larger home or owning more yard space, but let's talk about the actual opportunity when you do own your own home versus owning a condo, for example, of appreciation. I would love your thoughts before I tell you mine. So tell me what your thoughts are on that, Kristen. Oh gosh, that's so tough because it 
varies so significantly based on kind of like what you're around and schools play such a big factor. The appreciation aspect, I would more say also for us, I feel like different areas are very good with appreciation in the city and outside. It really depends on schools, what you're near, like if you're near the stadium, if you're near Pond City Market, you know, what you're near and the product is really important to like, if you can get in early with new construction versus later, riding that appreciation. So that's kind of a mixed bag in Atlanta, if I'm going to be honest, but I would say the closer to the perimeter you can get for appreciation, the better. Yeah. I see that for sure. And I I would say the same is true for most of downtown. The one thing I will say about owning a home is that you can just do more to the actual physical house to help it to appreciate versus a condo. You're kind of only limited to what's on the inside of your walls within your condo. A perfect example of this is my parents, they just sold their house in the suburbs. I bring up my parents all the time because they're one of the main reasons why I started the How to Buy a House class and started this podcast is I wish that they would have taken a class like this 30 years ago. It would have changed probably where they're at now. And <laughs> and, and they did own their home, which is smart, but I don't think they thought of their home as an investment. And when they went to go sell it, they were able to, you know, update the siding and put a new roof on it and add an addition and finish out the basement and really manipulate it so that when they went on the market, they were able to compete with whatever else was on the market in that price point. So if there are 20 other houses for sale, which I know this is not the case in Atlanta right now because there's no inventory, but if there is inventory and it's more of a buyer's market, you really, it's kind of like a first date. Like, okay, I better shave my mustache, put on deodorant, get a haircut, wear my nicest shirt. Like you really want to put your best foot forward when you are going on the market. And it's just a little bit harder. I feel like you are a little bit more tied down when you buy a condo because there's not much you can manipulate. And on top of that, there's also a ton of other condos that have the same square footage, a very similar location, similar amenities, similar HOA fees. And so really all you get to change is like the interior finishes and tile, carpet, paint, that kind of thing. Um, And I think it does limit you a little bit. It also limits you because there could be strength in numbers of price per square foot. So if there's, let's say a condo that just sold two months ago on a different floor in your building and it sold for 250 a square foot, but you looked at the recent comps and you're like, I know that other condos, I should be more like $300 a square foot, but because that one sold and it's the same floor plan, same building, I'm probably locked in at that price per square foot. And we don't talk about price per square foot very often, but that will end up dictating how much money you make on that investment because you're being immediately compared. It's like having a twin sister, right? Like you're just immediately sized up versus a house. You are like your own individual. Yeah. For the first time home buyers, that is something like, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, they'll ask me about the investment piece and I'll say like, you know, a condo and townhome, your like appreciation ceiling is always going to be lower of that than a single family. Like it's just, you know, it still might be a great appreciation, but like single family homes in Atlanta can appreciate by 50 to hundred K year over year where a townhome might be 20 K, you know, but I say it just depends how long you're going to be in it because the maintenance costs of a condo to townhome are typically less. So you might not make as much, but you might not be spending as much on maintenance. But if you know you're going to be somewhere for 25 years, then the single family home is probably the better investment. Cause like you said, you can like mold it and adapt it as the market changes to like better your chance of a larger turnaround. Totally. 
And I mean, even as your lifestyle changes, you can add another bedroom if you have all of a sudden a mother-in-law living with you or you have, you know, another kid and you need more space or a bonus room or whatnot. So a house is able to adapt with you versus a condo is very like the second you have somebody visiting you very often, you're like, okay, now I really do need a two bedroom. So it is more to me, like more of a short-term lifestyle, but you brought up such a good point that I would say like the ceiling of appreciation. Like, I think that is so, so true. But what you were saying was like, you might be not making as much on the back end, but maybe because you're not driving as many miles on your car or spending as much on gas or having to pay for a gym membership because your condo development has a gym. I mean, you have to think about, it's not only what I'm making on the back end, but how much am I saving per month by having this kind of condo lifestyle? And I think that is so true. And you have to really make sure that you talk about these things with your realtor and We have a whole episode of how to choose the right realtor, but it is so important to make sure that the person that you are going to for advice and you're consulting with understands your needs and what your lifestyle looks like so that they can give you the best advice possible so that you can make the best purchase possible and hopefully make more money. So yeah, I think what you said, Kristen, is so, so true. I think so going over to pros and cons, what are some cons of living in the suburbs, Kristen? If you're like, okay, great. I do want a house. I want to manipulate it. I want my first purchase to be a home. What would be some of the cons? Two tiers to the answer. First, Atlanta traffic. <laughs> Living in the suburb is a con. Unless you work from home, which is a lot more common, like post-COVID, it, work from home is a lot more common. But the drive into the perimeter for people who live in the suburbs is brutal. So traffic is a con. Me being a homeowner, I, I started in a townhome. Now I have a single family. A con of suburb living with a single family home potentially In upgrading your home, sometimes it can be more expensive because it's a larger product. So you want to redo the floors in your condo. You have a smaller square footage. Sometimes the pricing I get when I'm quoted from contractors, things on my home, I'm like, whoa, that is a lot, but it's just because it's a bigger product. So that's probably a con for me. Walkability is a con for a lot of, you know, you're just going to get in your car to go everywhere, which is fine. Some people want that for us in Atlanta access to all our stadiums are in the city. Some of the best restaurants are in the city. So just if you're going to live in the suburbs, feel comfortable with doing a lot of things within your own home, your own community, and not feel the pressure to have to come in to the perimeter all the time to have some fun. Yeah. I think that's great advice. And I feel like embracing where you are too, because you might be like, Oh, I wish I lived in that one neighborhood or I wish I was in Buckhead or whatever it's called. Like you might have a little bit of that neighborhood envy, but I think you bring me to a a thought of like, yes, I might not be in what I would say is like, oh, the most ideal neighborhood for this stage of my life, but we've embraced every single thing about our neighborhood and we have just squeezed every drop out of that lemon to make the sweetest lemonade of our neighborhood. And we've got a meat market down the street that literally is you know, a little sketchy on the outside, but so sweet. And the owner is amazing. And we run over there anytime we need something. And we've become friends with a lot of our neighbors and have created just like a really great little community within where we're at. And so I think it's not only in terms of like, where do I want to buy? What's my good investment? But also like be present wherever you are. And really any place can feel like home if it feels like you're investing in it. And with anything, it's like you get out whatever you put into something. So pour into your community and go to neighborhood events and put on neighborhood dinners and invite people you don't know that live near you and try and really invest in your area, um, even if you're not a homeowner and if you're just temporarily renting there. Sorry, free advice for all of you listening. 
Well, and what's nice now with social media, there's so many different community groups. You know, it's like, oh, I'm moving into this suburb. I don't know anyone. Well, you, like, I know for us, it's like, oh, there's an Alpharetta Moms Facebook group. You go on there, you're instantly connected with tons of people who live in that community. So just because you move to a different area doesn't mean you completely have to socially cut yourself off. It's just adapting to where you're living now. And I also know setting your expectations for where you want to live and adapting when my husband and I were looking for a home, we were like set on having a basement and, but the basement was pushing us really far away from the perimeter. And my husband travels a lot for work. So he needed to be close to the airport. And we decided like, okay, we're going to cut off the, we're not going to do the basement. And that brought us closer to the perimeter. And are there days I still wish I had a basement? Yes, there are. But I also like, we, improved our backyard. So now like that's our entertaining space versus having people into the basement, you know, kind of having to adapt and keep in sight, like the big thing of what's important to you. Um, I think people get so stuck on these like checklist items. I feel like that's also true of like, I have to have three bedrooms. I have to have three bedrooms. And I think sitting down with your realtor and they realize, oh, you, it's just you. Sometimes you have guests and you don't work for home. So why do you need three bedrooms? And I think they just think that's what I need because that's what all my other friends have. But you might be totally fine with a one bedroom for this stage of life and let your first purchase springboard you to your next purchase. So maybe you do end up eventually buying a three bedroom home, but don't let that stop you from investing right away. And we've had a lot of people, you know, talking about, you know, their advice on when to get into the market. I think you should buy as soon as you possibly can. Don't wait until you can afford a house with a basement or until you have a job that is a hybrid role and you can work from home. Try and invest with where you're at right now and see what you can afford and see what you can buy and what your options are. And I don't think you'll ever regret it. I don't have a single person that's ever bought a house regret it. Have you, Kristen? No, I haven't, honestly. I mean, yeah, I think it's, like you said, it jumpstarts you, it helps you build wealth quicker than a lot of stock investments. So I, I think it just jump starts that process. 100%. Well, and anybody that's in Atlanta, you guys can go to a how to buy a house class, go to Kristen's class, check her out. You can follow her on Instagram. I will definitely tag her in everything. Kristen, I am going to wrap us up with the question I ask all of our teachers and all of our guests, which is what is the best piece of advice that you want to give our listener? And it does not have to be real estate related. First, I wish I knew about this because maybe I would have like Googled something really like deep, but I'm going to, I'm going to say this and my one friend's going to laugh because she tells me this all the time. I'm kind of stealing from her. Like nothing is a coincidence when you are are walking somewhere, when you do something and you go, oh my gosh, what a coincidence I saw that person. It's not a coincidence. You were supposed to see that person. What is that leading you to? If you get a, an email pop in your LinkedIn, oh wow, what a coincidence. I was just thinking about it. It's not a coincidence. If you're thinking about something with a house and you're like, oh, what a coincidence. I just thought, was thinking about wallpaper. You should wallpaper that room. I mean, things are not a coincidence. There are messages all around us. So I would say lean into that kind of goes with a little bit of following your gut. So I tell my buyers that a lot when we're in house in houses as well. So yeah, I hope that helps. I completely agree. <laughs> and my life would not be where it is if I hadn't followed those little coincidences. So I love that. That is so great and so unique. Um, Kristen, thank you so much for spending time with us today. I am so pumped for everyone to hear this episode and, um, I need to come visit you in Atlanta. I, it's going to happen. I really want to go back to Cabbage Town. And we'll, we'll share your good time. So please come. I love it. Okay. Well, thank you. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks. 
Stay tuned for more episodes from the How to Buy a House class. You can follow us on Instagram. We're at the How to Buy a House class. You can also email us. Yes, we still use email and we would love to connect to you that way as well. You can reach us directly at hello at howtobuyahouseclass.com. And I also would love to connect with you. My Instagram handle is at Jess Lou Randolph. And we hope you have a fabulous day. Thanks for listening and God bless you. We are so grateful for you, listener, and this podcast is for you. So if there's an episode you'd like to hear or a topic you want us to cover, we would love to hear from you. Follow us on Instagram or shoot us a message at howtobuyahouseclass.com. Happy home buying.